We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. The Timberwolves lose on Sunday night, 93-91 to against the Denver Nuggets. They went down to the wire. There was three seconds left in the game when Malik Beasley had a transition layup that was blocked by Will Barton. Anthony Edwards scooped up the offensive rebound on that blocked shot, but he also missed his follow-up layup, and that was it. Game ended abruptly. Time expired, 93-91. to I, I don't know the last time the Wolves lost a game where they only gave up 93 points. It feels like that would be a while ago. Uh, but that's kind of the perfect example of where the Wolves are at right now. I think on the positive side of things, I think it's pretty good Wolves defense is proving to be a little bit more real than I thought. I was pretty skeptical about some of those defensive numbers, you know, just kind of looking at it like, oh, it was Houston and New Orleans. But this is kind of, proven to be a little bit of a trend defensively that they're limiting their opponent's scoring. But on the other side of the ball, you know, only scoring 91 points, I think that's kind of indicative of where the Wolves are too. Like this Wolves offense has been also making an underwhelming pattern on the offensive end. They're not at all looking like the top 10 offense we all pretty much assumed they would be this year. I mean, it's still only, you know, five games into the year, so these numbers are still a bit wonky, but the Wolves currently rank 23rd on offense in the league and fourth on defense. Again, small sample size, whatever, but I, I kind of like watching the games. I, I feel like those are pretty fair grades of, of what showed up on the floor. And that that's unexpected, right? If I, if I told you two weeks ago that the Wolves would be 23rd on one side of the ball and fourth on the other side of it, you'd be like, yeah, that, right. That sounds about right. The offense is gonna be good. The defense is gonna be bad, but, you know, that's not what's happening. I'll, I'd say I'm I'm kind of encouraged by this. If, you know, if it was, if it was the Wolves offense was really good and, you know, the defense was bad, I think, you know, we'd be kind of putting a ceiling on this team. If they, if, it, if they were again looking like a bottom 10 defense, you know, that's what caps this team out. Like if they, but it's not what's happening, you know, that this is suggesting that there isn't, you know, necessarily a, a ceiling. I think you can kind of squint at what's happened thus far and start to believe that the Wolves might be able to be an average defense this season. 
And that should lead you to believe that this team has real upside. And I think, again, I think that's showing up on the film. Now, all that said, this offense is getting pretty concerning. You know, Ant tonight, I thought, looked a lot like the player he was at the beginning of his rookie season. You know, you still flash that athletic burst, big dunk here and there, but inconsistent and ultimately finished the night inefficient. He shot 6 of 13 from 2 and was 0 of 6 from 3. Kind of, unfortunately, more of the same from D'Lo. After a good game in Milwaukee, D'Lo moved back in the direction um, that his, you know, towards his slow start of the season. Tonight, he was 4 of 9 from 2, 2 of 6 from 3. Didn't get to the free throw line at all. Had three turnovers. And then Cat, you know, I mean, not a big night from Cat, but he kind of, he looks like his normal, efficient offensive self. He's just not getting the ball. You know, Cat, D'Lo, and Ant each had 14 points tonight, but it took Ant 19 shots to get there. It took D'Lo 15 shots to get there, and it took Cat 11 shots to be there. I mean, the baton passing thing we've been talking about is continuing to prove to be awkward between those three. In his post-game press conference, Chris Finch made it clear that tonight, Cat just didn't get that baton enough. Mostly did you see go you go away from that you wanted to see more of there in the second half? Yeah, I mean, just the, just the ball movement, like the early ball movement, you know, uh, moving the ball out of pick and roll, put two on the ball, we had to get off of it, it was sticky. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, we need we need to find Cat more. 11 shots is not enough, and, you know, I'll take responsibility of that uh, for that, a lot of that. But in general, we got to find him more. Um, you know, he's he's been super efficient for us. He rarely leads us in shot attempts. Uh, he was our leading scorer at halftime with only three shot attempts. And it wasn't like he was at the line a lot either. Uh, and that's something we have to address. And we got to find him more, you know. He always gets a lot of attention from defenses, obviously. But, I mean... How do you go about getting him a little bit more involved and just a little more aggressive? Yeah, way? I mean, we got. I just got to call his number more. You know, I just have to call his number more. I mean, we're not finding him in the flow, um, and uh, as a result, we're just going to call his number more. As Finch said, there, Cat's number has not been called a lot. You know, both D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards have taken more shots than Cat this season. 109 shots for Edwards, 84 for Russell, 83 for Cat. That's pretty glaring as a poor usage of those three when you look at Cat shooting 50% from three this season while Ant is shooting 32% from three and D'Lo's at 30%. And then Ant and D'Lo are both shooting 45% from two on the year while Cat shooting 55% from two. I mean, the ball needs to not only better flow between those three, but it just needs to flow to Cat more. And really, I do think part of it I mean, I think part of it is Finch, but I think part of it is on Cat, too, to just call his own number more. And the best way, the easiest way for him to do that is to call his own number from three, shoot more threes. He's made 15 of his 33s this year, but his shot totals are four first game, four three-point attempts, second game, six three-point attempts, third game, 10 three-point attempts, then five and five. I, I don't see any reason why Cat shooting 10 threes in a game should be an outlier. I mean, mathematically, it shouldn't. I I feel like seven should be like a minimum for him. He's got to just take more. A lot of the times in these games thus far, like he's open and he's he's passing. But even, you know, if if he does boost his volume and he he does continue to make them, like he's still got to shoot them. If they do come out on him, like I think he's got to go to that step back that he was occasionally using last year. I, 
I know those don't feel great for flow, but like cat shots lead to points. And that's that's what this team needs from their best players, just more points. All right, we're going to take a quick break here early in the show, but then we have a lot to talk about um, with what I thought was a real encouraging gem of this game, and that was uh, Malik Beasley, who you know, it kind of looks like he's uh, back to Malik Beasley of a year ago. So quick break, we'll be, we'll be back in 60 seconds. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back talking about the Timberwolves 93 to 91 loss to the Denver Nuggets on Saturday night. I said a few episodes back before these two games against Milwaukee and Denver that it it felt like it was pretty clear what the old Wolves would do in those coming games. I think the old Wolves would come off the quote unquote hot start against Houston and New Orleans and then lose to both Milwaukee and Denver, but then beat Orlando at home after that. You know, one of those kind of empty starts where they they lost the games they were supposed to lose, but still found themselves at 500 after beating a bad Orlando team. Like, you know, could you kind of feel the Wolves like convincing themselves they're still in the mix because they're three and three with that? But I, I think a real stamp on asserting themselves, you know, that they're not that at all would have been beating Milwaukee and Denver and then taking care of business against Orlando at home, too. You do that, I mean, boom, you're five and one. You're, you're turning some heads. You know, now they're. They're three and two going into that game against Orlando. They did snag that Milwaukee one, but didn't get the Denver one. So they feel like somewhere between being those old wolves and the good wolves that they aspire to be. 
And for me, when I when I think about what can boost them to that level of the team they want to be, like obviously it's it's ironing out some of that cat deal and ant stuff, but I think a big part of this team being what they hope to be is Malik Beasley. I mean, he matters too. Yeah, Cat and Dilo, but Beasley matters too. Like, yes, statistically, he was rough in those first four games. He was four for 18 from three coming into tonight. Um, and for a player whose main job on this team is to be, you know, a lights out knockdown guy, that was, that was a concern, concerning start to the season. And then particularly when you factor in that he just didn't look great in preseason and really looked like he didn't come into training camp in shape and ready to go. I mean, this was some red flags here. But, you know, we had started to see some signs in that slow start that Beasley was coming around, really just probably getting back into shape. But also just defensively, his intention on that end has been super high all year. I think just going back and watching the games, like I, I thought I thought what we've seen from Beasley was had even before tonight was a low key, pretty big development for this team. He he seems to get the scheme defensively as well as any of the wings on this team. And you know, that matters for a player that a lot of us had labeled as a pretty clear-cut minus on the defensive end. But you could also see offensively, Beasley was starting to get his feet back under him, you know, shedding some of that weight he brought into camp. And then, you know, I was just watching him today before the game, and it was it was clear to me that his foot speed was really up from where it had been entering camp and started looking, you know, like the like the footwork of the elite shooter he was last season. So it's just so big for him to, to be that player. He really, if if Beasley isn't able to be a high volume three-point shooter, he's not a big weapon for this team, but he was tonight. I, you know, I think we saw that in the game. We saw his footwork. We saw the confidence. We saw the launch. We saw his, he's a great shooter and he made, he made six threes tonight. Like that isn't, that isn't a crazy thing for him to be able to do. And that's why I'll make Malik Beasley tonight's forgotten star of the game. You know, six of 10 from three in a game where the starters combined to shoot four of 21 from three. I mean, that's huge. It, it kept the game. It kept them in the game. I mean, Malik can be that guy. He could keep the offense zipping when the big three guys don't have it going. No one else in this roster can be that offensive burst like outside of the big three other than Beasley. But again, what I what I think has been most encouraging from Beasley because it suggests something different from you know where he was, it suggests a development, is is it the intention he's showing on the defensive end? He's learning. And that can go a long way for him and for this team. If if Beasley can at all become a two-way player, given what he already can bring as a shooter, I mean, that is a big deal for a team that is, you know, clearly thirsty for a fourth option player on this team. I asked Malik after the game about his defense and, and, you know, just where, where he's kind of come on that. And here's what, here's what Beasley had to say after the game. How do you feel you've grown as a defender in your time that you've been in Minnesota and what has gone into that process of growing defensively? Uh, yeah, I've been told I'm probably one of the worst softball defenders on our team. Uh, so uh, I don't like that type of stuff. I'll take challenges you know, I've been working a lot with defensive coaches and making sure I'm there on the help side, being low man, things like that. So uh, just continue to work hard and, you know, uh, defense is more mentality than anything. So just being there and helping my teammates, knowing somebody has my back. Is that 
is that largely something that is done by watching film or something that's done by practicing it on the floor? More film than usual, um, but in practice, making sure I'm there, um, over-exaggerate things to make sure it's easier in the games. Who told you that? How do you feel about just the team's defense right now? Because even with the loss of them, it's another strong performance in that. I mean, how good do you feel about where you guys are kind of stacking defensive performances on top of one another right now? I mean, they only scored 93. So, you know, uh, I feel like we've done a great job defensively. Um, I feel like we lost the game, turned the ball over ourselves. Um, but um, <coughs> on the defensive end, I feel like we're improving more as a team. You know, we're, we're more focused on that in the offensive end. As you can tell, once you focus on offense so much, our defense lacks. So we have our defense to be our offense and continue to push in that direction. What I've always said about Beasley as a defender is that I feel like he was too concerned with making the defensive play that ends the possession, the block, the steal, the deflection. And he was he never felt focused enough, never felt focused enough on just solidarity, just limiting the quality of the looks the opponent's getting. And it really does seem to be clicking with him that doing that limiting is just all about awareness. I'm not surprised to hear him say that it's been a lot more film for him this year because when he plays, he looks like a player defensively who's been watching film. So tonight was Malik Beasley was the forgotten star of this game. But I think if the Wolves just, you know, bigger picture, if they do have a season or even just like a month where they are the team that they're aspiring to be, you know, I think. Malik Beasley will be the forgotten star of that sort of leveling up of this group. You can check out Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley. They're open seven days a week at noon. And if you do mention the podcast, they'll give you a dollar off your beers. The next thing I want to hit on before looping back to a few stray notes from this game is just kind of looking ahead to this Orlando Magic game um, on Monday. I watched this afternoon. I watched their their game from Friday night against the uh, you know, the against the Toronto Raptors is who they played. Uh, they they lost that in close fashion. And as I was watching, I mean, I think those of you who have been listening to this show know that I just try and shoot it straight with what I'm seeing, what I'm predicting this team can do. Not always positive, not always negative. I told you before the Milwaukee game positively, given what I'd seen Milwaukee do watching them play in their games leading up to the game against the Wolves. I, I thought the Wolves had a real shot at winning that game. And so... So when I say this, this isn't me just trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be honest of what's going through my head when I'm watching. And honestly, when I watched Orlando play Toronto on Friday night, it struck me that, you know, the Wolves have a real chance to lose that game, even at home. And I, you might look tonight, uh, Orlando lost to Detroit, which is a bad team. This is back to back. But from what I've seen of Orlando compared to some of the other cellar dwellers, uh, in the league, like I don't think this is a free game. I think Orlando is a better team than a lot of those other bad teams. They're in a group in my mind that is ahead of the Rockets and ahead of the Pelicans without Zion and the other terrible teams like Oklahoma City. I mean, they're not good. Orlando's very young. They start Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter, and Mo Bamba, but they play a lot. That sounds like a Rocketsy type team. I feel like, but. They play a lot more like a team that's been together for a while. They play a lot more like a professional team. They they bring some solid vets off the bench too, like Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, Robin Lopez. Like those are guys you could see in a you know a playoff rotation for some team. 
And I just do think that Orlando has a group that can give the Wolves a fight. They're also very big. They start Bamba and Carter Jr. They also play Bamba and Robin Lopez next to each other. So they're physically imposing, and we know the Wolves aren't that. Now, I think size is becoming a little less of a worry now that Vanderbilt is starting for the Wolves, but you know, Finch played Akogi at power forward a lot tonight. Akogi was out there in the first quarter with Beverly, Beasley, Edwards, and Towns. Like He's clearly the power forward in that group. It's not a big team. And I have concerns about Finch going with groups like that against big teams. Now, other side of the coin, I do think there's a way the Wolves could use that size and that speed to their advantage against Orlando. I, I think I think if they do handle Orlando easily, like it's because they ran the Magic off the floor. Like Orlando plays really slow. That Magic and Raptors game was the slowest game I've watched of any NBA game this season. When I looked it up this afternoon, Orlando ranked 28th in the league in pace. I think the Wolves' path to beating them, beating the Magic, is by forcing turnovers and just crushing them in transition. Which sounds, <laughs> that sounds like the type of game a young team like Orlando has would want to play, but I, I I don't think it really fits them. It did it. It didn't from when I was watching them. And I think if the Wolves are able to run them off the floor like that, that'll that'll kind of force Orlando's hand to not play as big. And I think that will work in the Wolves' favor. So it's it can kind of be one of those snowball sort of things. It just <laughs> I don't know. And I think about this matchup. It, it feels like one of those games where the Wolves either win by twenty five. Or they just kind of lose a close one, an underwhelming sort of, an underwhelming close game. Not like no real middle ground there. It'll be telling, you know, to me what they can do against a team that they definitely should beat at home. If they're, again, they're the team they're aspiring to be, like you take care of business against the Magic before you, you know, before you bring the Clippers on here twice. The last thing I'll leave you with before we go is, uh, in other, my, I'm just doing so bad at these prize picks. Um, and those over-unders, I went 1-3 tonight, which dips me down to 9-10 and 10 on the year. Feel like I should be over 500, but I'm not. Uh, the one that really keeps getting me is I look every time and I see Jade McDaniels over-under 6.5 points, and that feels so low. Keep sucking me in, and I keep getting it wrong. McDaniels had two points again tonight. His point totals on the year are crazy. Four against Houston, four in the first Pelicans game three in the second Pelicans game, three against Milwaukee, and two against Denver. Like, McDaniels is not scoring the bar ball at all for this team. That's 16 total points in five games. I mean, that's ridiculous. They are not getting any offense from McDaniels. He's two for 14 from deep this season, which that is the real red flag in there. Like, you don't need McDaniels to be a high usage guy. You don't need him to score. He needs to be able to make open threes, and that has not been happening thus far. I also took the over on nine rebounds for Cat tonight. Cat finished with eight. I thought that was low, but I mean, Cat's had real low rebounding numbers all year. Towns is only averaging 7.8 rebounds per game this season now through five games, which is wild when you consider that he's averaged 11.6 rebounds per game in his career. I mean, I know some of that is Vanderbilt, and I know some of low rebounding totals in general is just luck, but... I don't know. Is this maybe an area where Cat losing a lot of weight this summer is hurting him? I, I don't know. I mean, it kind of, the numbers seem to kind of suggest it is. My one correct over under was under seven rebounds for Aaron Gordon. 
I got that one right. Uh, and I felt good about that one because I went into the game thinking Gordon would be back and forth being matched up between Vanderbilt or Edwards, which neither of those bode well for rebounding. Like I figured Edwards would keep him on the perimeter out of rebounding position. And then, you know, when he's on Vando, like I just felt that Vando would be able to out rebound him. And that did prove to be true. Gordon only finished with four rebounds tonight. I also took the over on 12 and a half points for Gordon. He finished with just 12. I thought Denver would need more out of him offensively to compete in this game. I was wrong there. I don't know. The Denver team is just bizarre. It's just all Jokic. Porter Jr. is not doing anything. Uh, you'd, you'd think you need Aaron Gordon, but Jokic, Jokic is incredible, man. He had 26, 19, and 7 tonight um, and and won the battle with Cat. If you think you can do better than I can on these over-unders, you're probably right. I'm now officially under 500, like I said. But if you do want to give it a try, uh, prove you're better than me. Download the Prize Picks app. Uh, before the Orlando game on Monday. If you throw in the promo code Dane when you sign up, that helps me, one. But two, it helps you as well. Um, you get a $100 sign-up bonus with that. Again, I'm tweeting out these picks before every game, uh, about an hour before every game. I don't know. Right now, maybe you should just do the opposite of whatever I pick. All right, that's all I got for you tonight. Um, Wolves Magic is on Monday night at home. Three more games on this homestand before the Wolves go on a four-game road swing that will take them to Memphis. Golden State and two games uh, in LA first against the Lakers and then the Clippers. I don't know. Monday feels big against Orlando. Like they should take care of business and it'll be a little alarming if they don't. They gotta they gotta keep it over five hundred. But I will talk to you after that one. Happy Halloween. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around. The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com